Welcome, and thank you for listening to this audio sermon from Lighthouse Baptist Church. For more information about our ministry, go to lbccincy.com. And now for the message from Pastor Nathan Lang. What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in the day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and uh, he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God, for we are despised and turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. And cover not their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So built we the wall." And all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up uh, and that the, bre- the breaches began to be stopped, uh, then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said, they shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by by them came, they said unto us ten times from all places, whence ye shall return unto uh, unto us they will be upon you. Therefore said I in the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places, I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, and your daughters, and your wives, and your houses. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us and God had brought their counsel to naught that we returned all of us to the wall, every one unto his work. And it came to pass from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work and other half of them held both the spears and shields and the bows and the habergians and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. They which build it on the wall and they that bear burdens uh, with those that laid it, every one with one of his hands wrought in the work and the other hand held a weapon. For the builders, every one had his sword girded by his side and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by, him, by me. And I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, the work is great and large and we are separated upon the wall one far from another. In what place therefore ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us, our God shall fight for us. So we labored in the work and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Likewise at the half at the same time said I unto the people, let every one with his servant lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night they may be a guard to us and labor on the day. So neither I nor my brethren, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard which followed me, none of us put off our clothes, saving that every one of put them off for washing. Let's pray. Now, Lord, as, uh, as we open up the scripture tonight, I'm asking that you would just uh, fill me with your spirit. I pray that I would say what you want me to say. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
<clears throat> what you should know about building a wall. And of course, uh, I will reference and I will bring up some things tonight that are going on in our country. Uh, and you say, well, uh, uh, what, what right do you have to have that, to do that and, and uh, you know, keep your, keep your nose in the book? And I believe that's true. We need to keep the Bible at the forefront of what we're preaching. But the reality is Paul dealt with issues of his day. And, uh, and he preached and he exposed things and he would, he would let them know what was going on uh, to the very fact that he actually stood be, be, before the rulers and told them that they were wrong. Absolutely incredible. Now, I'm, I'm not big into politics and it's rare that you'll see me post things on Facebook. But if you follow me on Facebook, I, yes, last night uh, I got on and I, and I posted something that, uh, that uh, Senator uh, Ted Cruz had put on there uh, in rebuttal to something that what a Democrat had, had, uh, had, had fired back at him. And he comes out of the gate swinging. I mean, he, it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, he did such a, a great job with it. And he, and he basically laid out, he said, here are the facts. I'm not just banging on the table trying to make noise. Here are the facts. And, uh, and, that's, and that's how he dealt with it. Uh, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, people take offense. And I know this firsthand. Let me say this. This past summer, I built a fence around my backyard. And we, we knew that one day we would get a dog, and, and I didn't think it was going to be as soon as it is. Uh, but uh, we built a fence, one, to keep, dog, keep a dog in someday, to keep my kids in, to keep neighborhood dogs out. Why? Because neighborhood dogs like to come into my yard and they like to leave little presents in my yard. <coughs> uh, dog, I'm not, yeah, I, I don't want to get into all the names of that stuff, but, uh, but uh, they, left some, they leave presents in my yard. But the reality is, one of them, I was coming out of my garage, my, I used to, my back porch used to not be boxed in. Some of you didn't know that. Uh, and, uh, and I got the materials and I, and I, uh, and I boxed it all in. Uh, but before I did that, I was coming out of the drive, I was coming home from church one night with my family, and you would have to come out of my back garage, and you, had, you would be exposed to the elements. It was just a, a roof there. And then uh, you, had, you had to go into the house and unlock the door and go in that way. Uh, well, I boxed it all in. Now, before I did that, uh, I, I believe it was a dog came by and brushed me and hit me and almost knocked me down. I was carrying one of my kids, and it scared me half to death. And, uh, and that's when we built in our walls <laughs> uh, in there. Do you, know, do you know why we built those walls? Because we needed to keep some things out. Right, we need to keep some things out. And, uh, and I'm, this message isn't what, may not be what you think it is. So I, I want you to listen in. Don't turn me off because you may be happy about what I'm preaching and you may not be. Um, you have to take that up with God either way. But uh, when I decided this past summer, my wife and I, we saved up the money, uh, saved up for quite a while, and we finally got to the point where we could do the fence. I did it myself, and I, I, let, me, let me just say this, never, never rent a one-man auger, um, you know, d don't do it. Pay somebody else to do it. <laughs> I got out that one man, and I dug every one of those, I think there was like 50 holes, I dug every one of them, uh, three and a half, three, about three foot deep, or whatever it is, and, uh, and got that done. But here's, here's where I'm going with this. When I built that wall, my neighbors, when I built that fence, my neighbors were not happy. I had neighbors out there, literally, they were looking at, because I had it surveyed, I did it all the right way, I did exactly what the city told me to do, but when I saw my neighbors out there with those stakes that they put on there that says property line, my neighbors were literally out there eyeballing, seeing it. It was absolutely amazing. My neighbor's mailbox is is on my property, one of my neighbors, uh, and, sh and they came out, and they were the ones, they're peeking and looking to see, what are we going to do? And they said, what do, you, do we have to pull this mailbox down? I said, no, it's okay, it's all right, and uh, it, it's, it's not hurting anything. Uh, but but here, here's the point. Some of my neighbors didn't like it, because, but this is what I did. I went around to all of them before I did it. I said, I want you to know I'm going to be putting a fence up. As a matter of fact, when I moved into my house about six years ago, I went to all my neighbors and said, someday we're going to put a fence up, because I didn't want there to be a hurt there that we're trying to block you out. But here, here, here's what I'm trying to say. When you build something, people are not always happy about it. 
When you build for right, you know, when we, when we decided to come to this building for almost five years, this may be five years in this building. When we decided to come into this building, not everybody was happy that we were going to come into this building. There was some opposition. There were some people that said, oh, no, I don't think so. I don't think we can afford it. I mean, they, they, you name it, and, and, and I got that. No, I didn't share all that with you because I didn't want to discourage you in the way. But the reality is, there's, when you're doing something, when you're building something, I remember a few different issues in the past that I had to contact the CLA in, and I said, hey, what do I do in this? And I'll never forget this. One of the, one of the CLA members said, uh, they said, Pastor Lang, they said, we're actually encouraged that you're going through all of this right now. What? And this is what he said. He said, it shows me that you're doing something. It shows me that you're advancing the gospel. It shows me that you're trying to move forward with the things of God. And he said, that never comes without opposition. And can I say that if you're going to do anything, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, opposition just very well may set in. But it's absolutely incredible uh, what happens to these people in this text. I want you to see, number one, uh, you don't have to look for trouble. It knows where to find you. You don't have to look for trouble. The Bible says, and for sake of time, I won't turn there tonight, but in Ezra, uh, I believe it's, I want to say, well, I can't remember, I think it's, I want to say chapter two or three. Uh, don't quote me on the chapter, but in the book of Ezra, you'll find as they're building the temple, you'll find there uh, that the Bible says that they hired uh, professional troublemakers to trouble their calls. Professional troublemakers. You know, it's absolutely amazing. I've learned this in the average Baptist church. You don't have to hire professional troublemakers. There's always enough volunteers. And the truth we know all too well, it seems that trouble uh, stalks us as we travel through life. And of course, as we, uh, nowhere is this more true than in the work of the Lord. If we are truly serving the Lord with fervency and dedication, we can be assured that trouble will arise and it's going to happen. And so 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Listen to me here tonight. It will come from without in the form of mockery. Verses 1 through 3, we see here that Sanballat and Tobias, all they, they say, oh, look at that. If, if a fox go off that wall, he'll knock it down. Look at that, that, that measly little wall. And so, so they experience mockery at the very beginning. You know, and, and I want us to apply this to our lives in here today. If you're going to live a Christian life, you will more than likely at one point or another, you will suffer persecution. Not persecution necessarily like they faced in the first century. But you know what? People will make fun of, hey, you dress differently. Why do you dress differently? Well, let me tell you why I dress differently. Hey, you don't talk like you used to. What's the deal? What's going on? I found that a lot of my friends separated themselves from me when I got serious about serving God. They just did. They just did. It comes with it. But it will come from without. Mark it down. Uh, This is understandable because uh, they do not comprehend what we are doing. And a righteous life stands as a rebuke to a godless life. We should not be surprised when, uh, when attacks come from without. John chapter 15 and verse 18 says, If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. Look what they did to Jesus Christ. John chapter 15 and verse 20, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. I said it will come from without, but I want you to see the persecution. It will come from within. It will come from within in the form of deception sometimes. And verse, look in verse number 10 of our text. And Judah said, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed and there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build uh, the wall. 
These people from the tribe of Judah were the first complaining about the work. And the reason is apparent when you read Nehemiah chapter 6. They were in bed with the enemy. You know, some people don't like it when you're advancing the cause of Christ, even within the church. You say, what are you talking about? Well, I just said it just a little bit ago. When we, when we announced to the church, when we were talking about coming to this building, and, 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 and I can say this today because these people are not here anymore, but they came up and, and literally had people literally say, if you go over there, I'm out of here. There's going to be opposition. So let me see here. Okay, so I have, I have three people who don't like this, but I've got 100 people who do. So... Um, <laughs> Can, can I just, this goes without saying, you cannot spend your life trying to please everyone. You will never, ever, ever please everyone. And that's something we've got to get down. If you try to go outside of these walls and please everyone at work, please everyone in your family, please, it's never going to happen. Someone is going to get upset with you. You know, I talked this morning about the snowflake generation where everybody has to get offended about something. Well, you know that old saying, if you're leaving, even messing with me, you're leaving somebody else alone. <laughs> but it will come from within in the form of discouragement. Look at verse number 12. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, from all places whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. These people were those who dwelt beside the enemy. Those who live near and like the wicked are always among those who try to discourage the work and the workers of God. And it rarely shocks us when trouble comes from without. But when it arises from within, it often leaves us devastated. When you have somebody rise up and, and they try to pick apart everything that you're trying to do for the cause of Christ. Whether it takes the form of deception with someone living in a hidden life or, or sin or the form of discouragement when someone questions the motives and the goals of the church. It hurts, it hurts and, and can cause to, uh, us to deviate from the course sometimes. If we get so focused on that one person, that one thing that someone who's trying to aggravate the cause of moving forward for Jesus Christ. Remember, trouble has no problem finding you. And for some of us, it finds us very easily. <laughs> very easily. I said, I said, number one, we don't have to look for trouble. It knows where to find us. Number two, the best defense is a good offense. The best defense is a good offense. <clears throat> when trouble came, Nehemiah went on the offensive. He took matters into his own hands and devised a great, a great strategy for battle. And um, if you know anything about the government shut, how many of you know somebody who has been affected, was affected by the government shutdown? How many of you know, I, we, most, a lot of us know some people who are affected by that. Uh, preacher, where do you stand with that? I, I'm not for a government shutdown. I'm just not. I, it, it, it devastates. But let me tell you something. Uh, I, I, I think that our president was doing a great job in how he was handling this thing. I think he was doing a great job. And once again, just to, just to, I'm not trying to put a plug in it. Get on my Facebook page and watch, watch Senator Cruz on there uh, and, uh, and watch his speech. And it, it, it might change your mind if you're standing on one side or the other on that thing. But he encouraged, he encouraged. I said the best defense is a good offense. But I want you to see here what Nehemiah did. He encouraged five attitudes that need to be implemented in the church today. And I want to, I'm going to give you five attitudes here. First, he said, be prayerful, verses four through five. All of life, especially the battles we face in the realm of faith, should be, should be bathed in prayer uh, and, and by God's people. Uh, we should be a people of prayer. In James chapter 4 and verse 2, it says, Ye lust and ye have not, ye kill and desire to have, ye cannot obtain, ye fight a war, and yet ye have not, because ye ask not. 
You know, we're not tuning into the things of God. We're just trying to just, just get through life sometimes. But we need to be prayerful. I want you to see number, number two here. He said, be alert in verse number nine. Prayer should always be coupled with watchfulness. I'm not advocating looking for a demon behind every bush. I'm advocating and alerting to the tactics and the antics of the enemy. He is deceptive. Uh, we are not to be ignorant of his devices. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 14, Paul encouraged us to stand against the wiles of the devil in Ephesians 6. Jesus commanded his disciples to watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation in Matthew 26. I said we need to be prayerful, we need to be alert, we need to be prepared. Verses 16 through 20. And I'm not going to reread all these verses because I read them already. But these people were to be as prepared for war as they were for work. Are you with me? This was something that they, they needed to be willing. In other words, if you're wondering what I'm saying, here is what I'm saying in a nutshell. Uh, when things get rough in our country, we need to be willing to stand up and to fight for what is right. We need to stop burying our heads. And I'll tell you right now, this is, this is one of the reasons why uh, President Donald Trump got into the office, why he is in the office he is today, because evangelicals stood out and went out and, and determined we are not going to let this country keep going in the direction that it's going. And so this is, this is what it's going to take in, in 2020. You know what it's going to take? It's going to take evangelical Christians, let me just, however you want to label, label us, but Christians, it's going to take us rising up and standing up. You know, the reality is we knew, we knew, we knew, knew that Donald Trump was not a moral man going into the office. We knew that. It's absolutely amazing how the opposite party uh, is, is always standing up trying to prove his immorality. We knew that going into the deal. And the reality, can, 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 I, just, can I just be honest? It's always good when a preacher says, let me just be honest. <laughs> I, I hate it when I say that. It's not that we like Donald Trump so much, it's that we dislike the opposing person that much. And sometimes that is the call. That is, uh, you know, oh, you're voting for the lesser of two evils. Well, let's see here. Do you, I, I think people truly don't, cannot fathom, I'm opening up a can of worms here, I know, but cannot truly fathom the evils that would be placed upon our country if someone like Hillary Rodham Clinton had been president. The freedoms that we have in this pulpit, gone. You think it's bad that New York City passed this bill recently? You, the whole country would be there right now. absolutely incredible. We need to be prepared. We need to be studied up. We need to be in our Bibles. We need to know what the Bible says. We need to be in our places. We need to be speaking out. Hey, how many of you have ever written the senator? Raise your hand. You've ever written your senator and saying, hey, I'm for this or I'm against this. Hey, I want to encourage you to do those things. Get proactive. Uh, in March, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go, but in March uh, they have the, something called the Capital Connection and, uh, and pastors from all over the How many of you have ever heard of the Capital Connection? Pastors from all over the country go to D.C. and, uh, and they get to meet with our, with our Congress and get to talk with them and pray with them in their chambers. What an amazing opportunity. They do this every year. I've, I've never gone, but I've wanted to. And in this March, I'm praying about going. But you know what? It's, it's good to be able to do that. We need to be prepared. You know, we need to be prepared in more ways than one. One of my goals this past year and, and, and going into this year was trying to get to know some of our city officials more. And I've been doing that. Getting to know them personally. Because you know what? It'd be nice to have a Christian stand behind them and say, hey, I'm for what you're, what you're doing here. Hey, keep up the good work. 
instead of having all these liberals jumping in there and trying to scare them into doing something. You know what I found? That the media, the media portrays, you know, this whole Covington school thing, the, the Catholic school thing. The media portrays to you, if you did not see this out of that, then you are as blind as a bat. Let me just tell you, if you look at this thing, the media portrays to you what they want you to see. They will show you one portion. I told you I was opening up a can here, but I'm just going to keep rolling with it. <clears throat> they show you what they want you to see. <clears throat> Trump is asking for 5.7 million, billion. 5.7 billion out of an annual budget of 4.4 trillion. In other words, Ron, put, the, put these numbers up here for me. <clears throat> this is what this looks like. If the, average, if the average, if you take your average household, let's say your budget individually, every house in here, let's say you make $44,070. That's what you bring in a year. That would be like Trump saying, I need $57 to build a, a fence in the backyard. That, that's putting it, that's, does that simplify it enough? Because when we say billions and trillions, I just say, I honestly, I'm just like, I don't know if I can truly fathom what that is. I've never seen more than, uh, uh, the most I've seen when we, when we got into this, this building, when we, when we uh, uh, just put down the down payment, $100,000, I've got a picture on my phone of me, Mr. Weaver, Mr. Uh, Jackson, and I, I, I think that was S3 out there handing a check over to Pastor Ains for $100,000. We just did it again not too long ago, a few months back. Praise the Lord for that. But it's, 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 absol it's absolutely insane. Imagine, imagine your spouse saying, we're not going back to work. The kids aren't getting their allowances and no bills are getting paid until you give up the idea of spending $57 to fence in our yard. It's not happening. That's literally what we're looking at here. Some believe the Bible teaches that we are all citizens of the world. And that there are not, or at least there should not be distinct nations. Before Genesis 11, this was probably true. But now, here's, here's the can. Here's the can. It's opened up. But since Genesis 11 and God's judgment at the Tower of Babel, are you with me? I believe he in intended for separate peoples and, and different forms of people. You say, how do you say that? Because he separated them and divided them with different native tongues. I think God meant to do that. That's what he did. Am I right? But, but now here, now here's where it gets, this is where it gets tricky. And this is where people get into a whole ball full of goofiness. By the way, you can see that, all those things. If you're taking notes and you say, prove it to me, I won't turn there. But Genesis 11 and verse 19, you can turn there and look at this. Deuteronomy 32, 8. Acts 17, 26, you can go and find what I just told you. But this is not to imply that any nation, ethnicity, or, or people group is more or less valuable to God than the other. That is clearly unbiblical. And this is where people get mixed up. They want to start throwing in that whatever race is, is more powerful and more superior to Jesus Christ. You have all these people going around, and I am a Caucasian, I am a white male. You got these people going around saying that, that uh, these white supremacists saying that, that the white race is more superior than any other race, and they want to compare that to, to Christianity. I said, listen to me, Jesus was Jewish. It wasn't a Caucasian male. <laughs> Get out of here with that. People want to argue that Jesus was whatever, whatever he was. I don't care what color Satan or Santa Claus is to you. He can be whatever color he wants, but here, here's the thing. Uh, 
before Jesus Christ, we're all equal in the sense of we're not more important than the other race. And I know that some of you, that might even twist some of your feathers there. But God also established government and clearly ordained that governments are to, among other things, punish evildoers and lawbreakers. Look at, look at Romans, you, you look puzzled. Look at Romans 13, verse 1. Hold your finger there. Turn over to Romans 13, verse 1. <clears throat> I said that the government is ordained among other things, to punish evildoers and lawbreakers. Romans 13.1 is probably the clearest statement of this principle. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. The authority, however, is not unlimited. An exercise of it should also be consistent with biblical truth, such as extending mercy and upholding justice, both of which are vital when developing an immigration policy. With respect to immigration, nations can and should establish and enforce borders for the protection of their people. That's where I stand. That's where I stand. If you were, you know, see, you know what they're not going to tell you? Now, I realize that somebody has a great-great-grandma who came, over the, who came over the border and is living a great life. And I respect that. If you look at what they are doing, what they are doing, they will not show you the countless, countless millions of pounds of drugs that are coming over that border. It's unbelievable. You know who I like to talk to? You know, uh, you know uh, Ted Cruz, he, he mentioned, he said, why don't we go down and talk to the Border Patrol firsthand, the people who are risking their lives as these people are coming over. Now, do you throw everyone who's coming over the border out the wall, or out the wall, out the door? <laughs> throw them out the wall. Throw them out the door because they came in, you know, whatever. I, I believe just like any other person, when you came over here, just like when some of our ancestors came over on Ellis Island, there was a process. How many of you have ever been to Ellis Island in New York? You've been to Ellis Island. If, you've ever been to, if you ever get to go to New York City, <clears throat> go to Ellis Island. You have to take a ferry over. Go to Ellis Island. I can't remember how much it costs a person, but just go on it. Bob Weaver will pay for it. Just do it. <clears throat> you go to Ellis Island, <clears throat> and it shows you. You can go through and take a tour, and it'll show you the process of when, when, when many of our family members came over on Ellis Island, the immigration process. You can see the quarter. They, across, the, across the way there, you can see where they had a quarters of people uh, for hospitals where some of these ladies had babies as soon as they got there, and what they had to do in the immigration process. They had to go through these different stages as they came through. They had to check them for lice and all of that sort of thing, and as they brought them through, they checked for different things. They checked their health. They checked to see what they were bringing over. They checked to see if they were just criminals or, or if they were truly wanting to start a better life for themselves. But there was a process in order to come over. And today, you're considered a meanie head if you, just, if you don't let whoever wants to come over. Now, let me say this. You've got to be careful what you find on the internet. All these people, people are getting on there, and, and I understand what they're saying, but they got these little jokes on there about, you know, heaven, heaven has gates and, 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 uh, and walls and, you know, and all this stuff and, uh, you know, and all that sort of thing. And, hey, can I say, just be careful what you use Scripture to back up. Because the reality is, whosoever will can, can walk through that gate if they go through Jesus Christ. But even then, there's a process. <laughs> Are you with me here tonight? 
Don't be that person that's going to be upset with me just for the sake of being upset with me. If that's you, you'd probably get along good with Nancy Pelosi. Number three, I will, I'll be finished soon. Some things are worth fighting for. Some things are worth fighting for. You know, when I stand up and say, you know, there needs to be a wall, all this stuff. You know, when I stand up, this, this is what I'm saying. I'm tired of seeing <coughs> all the mess that's coming into this country. I'm tired of, where it really hits with me, I'll just be honest with you, is the drug cartel. It just absolutely infuriates me to see all of that junk that they're pumping into our country. Now, I'm not going to be one of these. If you're one of these conspiracy theorists and you want to, you want to sit and conspiracy theorize everything that the government does, I don't have time to get in all that stuff. But can I say this? Rather than looking at illegals coming into our country, uh, the reality is I've got some friends. I've got some illegal friends down in Georgetown, Kentucky. They came over here illegally, and I know them. And listen to me now, I consider them my friends. But you know what I did? Rather, This was years childhood friends from teenage years ago, uh, not, not recently. But, but to this day, I, I'm still for them. I still I talk to them when I get the chance. Uh, but here, here's the thing, here's the thing. I don't look at them and say, oh, you, you know, you get out of my country. No, I want to give them the gospel. <clears throat> I'm not saying open the floodgate. What I'm saying is, if they are coming into our country and they are here, uh, don't chew, in their, chew their faces out. Get in there and give them a gospel track and try to get them saved. This may be the only opportunity they have to see Christ in their life. I know that's not popular. Let me say our faith is worth fighting for. Their enemies, in, in the book of Nehemiah, their enemies did not want them to sacrifice to the Lord. They did not want them to engage in the worship. Uh, their friends, uh, and there's many around us this evening who do not like uh, the fact that we're having church tonight. There, there are literally Christians who say, we're heretics for having Sunday night church. Coming in on Wednesday night, are you crazy? Have you read the Bible? How many of you remember all that stuff that <clears throat> years ago Chick-fil-A got into all that trouble? Because they supposedly wouldn't hire homosexuals or because they, they, they stated that they believe in marriage between a man and a woman, which is what the Bible says. Amen. If you remember that one time I, over at the old building, I had my Chick-fil-A cup on Sunday. I put that up. Well, I, was, I was for them. They weren't being, listen, they did not lash out and say, you're wicked and you're evil if you live this lifestyle. They simply stood up for the Bible and said, we believe that marriage is one man and one woman. And they were persecuted for that. The president of Chick-fil-A, that's all he was saying. He did not say that gays are not welcome at Chick-fil-A. In fact, they said that they, they hire, it doesn't matter what your background is, they will hire, as far as, as, far as your, your, whatever you choose there, uh, they said, we'll, we'll hire you. We don't, we don't discriminate against that. Let me say that our faith is worth fighting for, our families are worth fighting for. Nehemiah reminded them that they were fighting for, the, for their families as well. <clears throat> if they didn't take a stand, then they and their families would perish at the hand of the enemy. Take a stand. Do you realize that the stand that you're taking, and I know, I don't care about, I'm not trying to get into all the politics of this thing, but the reality is people get upset on who you vote for and who you don't vote for at any election. And the reality is when you go to that voting booth, you are making a difference in this country one way or the other. You are. 
When you choose not to voice your opinion, you're, you're saying something. Can I say this in here, friends, brothers, and sisters in Christ? Our families <coughs> are, in a, are in a war. We need to fight the good fight of faith for them. Bathe our families in prayer. As I said this morning, raise them up in the way they should go. Teach them the, the ways of Scripture. I remember, I don't have very many memories of him because he passed away in 1997, but, but my grandpa Leonard Casey, he was, I've told you a little bit about him before, but he, he, came, up, uh, he came up out of um, uh, Jellicoe, Tennessee, back during the 37 flood. He came to Cincinnati and he was downtown for, for, I think, at least a decade. He walked the streets of downtown Cincinnati back in the 30s and the 40s. And I got to meet this man. <laughs> He's my grandpa up until 1997. <clears throat> but it was during, I believe it was in the 40s, he said. He was walking downtown. He was a drunkard. He was a moonshiner when he was in Tennessee. He came up here. He was a drunkard, drunk every day of his life. Walking those streets. Uh, they were, there was a church service going on. And somebody invited him into a church service. And he got saved. And he got saved. And you know, he became one of the greatest Christians that I had ever met. When I, I didn't get to see him that often, but when I did get to see him. One thing I learned, I remember being at his house one time. Every, every day he would eat breakfast. And then he would walk into the dining room table. He would get his King James Bible out. He would lay it on that table. And at that moment, uh, I learned after the first fly swatter swatting. And he'd grab that plastic again. He'd grab, and he'd light you up with that metal end. This is time with God. And you know, it only took a couple swats on my little leg as a little bitty boy to learn, you better be quiet when grandpa's having time with God. But he set this. You realize he had a second grade education and he learned how to read from the King James Bible. Literally, that's where he, that was his textbook of learning to read. And I remember him telling us stories. I was thinking about stories of, of telling the kids. There was so much I could have said this morning. But I remember, I remember him just telling us so many stories and, and trying to keep us together as a family. He said, now I'm going to be going sometime. He passed away in his late 80s. He said, now I'm going to be passing away soon. He said, I know it. He said, I want you to stay together and fight for each other. I want you to stick together. He said, you, and us, he'd get all of us teenage boys. He said, don't you waste your life. You get out there and you work. You, su you support your families. And he taught us so many valuable lessons. And I'm so thankful for, the, uh, for that heritage. He talked to us about the hard days. He said, he said boys, he said, uh, uh, you don't know what, what depression is. He said, I lived through the depression, literally. He said, I was in my early 20s during the depression. He said, I learned what it was like to stand in, in, in lines for food. I learned what it was like to work for a dollar a week, you know, whatever it was. Absolutely incredible. But he taught us all those things. You know what's happening? You know what I'm seeing? And, and I preach a lot of funerals. I'm seeing, uh, I preached another one with the, with the family. They said, you know, this, their, it was their mom. They said she was the patriarch of her family. She was the glue that held us together. They said, we're worried about what's going to happen now that she's gone. You know what we need? We need some people who are going to rise up, stand up, and determine, hey, maybe you're going to be the next patriarch of that family, and you're going to hold them together. Listen, not for the sake of holding them together, but for the cause of Christ. You're going to be that light in their life. You're going to be that example. And we need people to stand up. Hey, I shouldn't have to beg Christians to stand up and live the Christian life the Christian way. Let me say our future. Lastly, our future is worth fighting for. Nehemiah knew that if they had caved into the enemy now, that the battle was over forever. 
There would never be life in Jerusalem again. There would be no temple or worship of God in that city. Nehemiah knew that the, the, the time to stand was right now. And we have turned our heads far too long while the enemy is ravaging the churches in our country. For much too long, the, the, the church, the saints, have allowed the enemy to just step in and just do all kinds of crazy things. <clears throat> I was talking with somebody from the CLA just the other day. I said, pray there's a, a family that we're, we're trying to, to help. Their kids go to the public school and I believe they're in kindergarten. They're teaching them the lifestyle of not just man and woman, man and man, woman and woman, woman and... It, it, it doesn't stop there. Because remember what I said this morning? Sin doesn't stop there. Man and a nobody, they don't know what they are. They don't claim anything. A woman and whatever, there's, there's no gender there. You see all this all the time. There's no gender. Uh, uh, the, the reality is there's so much I could say about that subject. But the reality is you were born one or the other. There's, there's no mix-up there. There's no mix-up. Hey, stand up and fight what's right. Don't, don't bury your head. You know, the reality is, and, and, here, and, here's, and I'm going to say this, and, and <laughs> I've found a lot of times when we do stand up, you know how I said that the trouble comes within many times? Usually it's the Christians who are fighting against us when we try to stand up for what's right. Oh, you're being controversial. Oh, you're, you're, you're saying things that are out of your element. You're saying things that it's not your job. You're just to just keep your face in the Bible. Yes, that's right. But there's a whole lot going on around us while you're keeping your face in that Bible. Amen. We need to understand what's going on and be able to stand up and fight for it. <clears throat> Can I say this? Oh, it's so funny how every, every election term, there's always about 20 or 30 different celebrities who say, if so-and-so gets in, I'm fleeing the Canada. And they're still here. <laughs> it's, you know, can, can I just say this? I, some friends of my wife's on, on, on the internet, they were saying that on this whole New York thing, they said they can't wait to get out of the state of New York because of all that's going on. And, and I told my wife, I said, text back, stay, fight. You say it's too late now. Then witness as many people as you possibly can. Oh, our country's being over, overrun by, by illegals. Hey, witness to as many people as you can. You know, a lot of this stuff probably may not ever be reversed. I don't know. But the game plan should not be to go run and hide and flee the country. Stand up for this great country that God has given us, allowed us to be in, and be proud of your country, even though you don't have to be proud of everything your country does. Let me put it in terms that maybe you'll see a little bit differently. You, you may not be for everything your children do, but you still love your children. Am I right? I couldn't imagine my kids doing anything where I would forsake my children. Let me say this, that this country, yes, it will get worse. The Bible says that things will get worse. That doesn't mean you tuck and run and flee. That means you stand up and you get some fistful of gospel tracts and you keep telling people about Christ. 
I told the church on Wednesday night, I preached a funeral this past week, about what it was, Tuesday or whatever day it was. I preached a funeral uh, and uh, eight people got saved over here, down here at Staley Strasser, down here on Plainfield Road. And, and uh, several people came up to me afterwards thanking me for, for giving the gospel. But one particular man came up. He was the son of the woman who passed away. He said, I've never heard this before like that. The gospel is what he was saying. And then let me say this, that, that is the story all across our country. That is the story all across America. And this kind of coincides with what I'm talking about this morning. The reality is people need Christ. Amen. That's the problem. Why is this country so bad? Because they need Jesus Christ. That's why. They need Christ. You know, you've heard it said, there's, there's no book called Sanballat or Tobiah, but there is a Nehemiah. Stay on the wall. Keep fighting. Sometimes you don't, you don't think you're making a difference. You just keep spinning your wheels, it seems like. How many of you have ever been there? You feel like whatever you do, you're just spinning. Maybe it's a, uh, that's how your week's been. That's how your month's been. That's how your year. Maybe it's been a decade for you. I don't know. But the reality is you keep doing right. You keep sowing right. And you're going to reap what you sow. That's Bible principle. Keep on keeping on. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon from Lighthouse Baptist Church. For more information about our ministry, go to lbccincy.com.